Welcome to the Pike and Shot podcast, Tuesday, uh, January 18th, 2022. Today, I'll be talking with Sean Witt, a U.S. Army Apache pilot, about the realities of NATO capabilities countering Russian armored forces. Uh, Sean, thank you for being here. Uh, give us a little introduction on yourself. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, as, as you said, my name is Sean Witt. I did uh, 11 years in the Army. I was a H-64 and H-64 Echo instructor pilot slash standardization pilot and uh, did three tours, uh, one Afghanistan and uh, two Iraq slash Syria. So I think that's what I did. It's been a couple of years since I've done that. So I got out about three years ago. So Great. Well, it's good to have you. Um, we've got quite the situation developing in uh, on the Ukrainian border right now. And while the U.S. currently has uh, not, not well, not any stated forces there to counter that threat. Um, I just wanted to discuss what what you see as the the current level of readiness to counter armored uh, armored forces, armored columns, uh, because the U.S. really hasn't engaged in that kind of conflict in quite some time. hasn't engaged in it in quite some time, and it hasn't really been focused on it as the main uh, the war we're fighting today uh, since at least the the early '90s. Um, so when you, when exactly did you join again? Uh, when did you first jump into an Apache? Uh, so I, I joined in 2007 during college, uh, dating myself a little bit there, but, uh, joined then and then flight school is about two years. And so we were right in the midst of, you know, the surges, I guess you could call it in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, uh, so we, I went straight 2007, basic training and officer school, flight school, and then. Several months later, I was flying out of Baghdad International Airport there, and so uh, it, it was it was a quick turn. So yeah, uh, um, so so at that time it was really focused on on the the GWAT as we as we have come to yeah. call it. Um, w- tell me about the the type of of near peer type stuff that you were doing for for those who don't know near peers. Uh, any opponent that we would come up against that, that has close to our own capabilities and our technology, um, which which we haven't really encountered in quite some time. Yeah, I think, you know, when you when you think about kind of what's going on over there and, you know, and you reached out to do this podcast, you know, the first thought that I have is like warfare has really changed a lot. I mean, and it, it's rapidly changing, you know, just like every other industry, like technologies and invading that that industry and, and changing it, you know, and, and warfare is no different. And like in back in 2009, you know, we were very coin focused counterinsurgency. We weren't, we weren't really fighting anybody with anywhere near or remote capability to in a near peer capacity, such as you talk about. Um, but as those, those wars went on, the GWAT went on and the, the prolification of, you know, former old Russia, Soviet Union equipment made it into there. Like, that competitive advantage started to catch up a little bit. You know, you started to see knockoff Chinese equipment in there, you know, newer Russia equipment in there. When you start talking about surface to air capabilities, army, army, or excuse me, armor piercing capabilities, like, you know, they, they started to catch up a little bit and we, we had to change our tactics and we evolved uh, over time to, to handle that. Um, 
but it was a very it was a very focused coin environment you know it, it was almost like being you know from an aircraft perspective as an apache guy you know sometimes better described as like you're you're a cop you know you're just waiting for a cop to you know for a call to say hey troops in contact we're going to fly over there kind of put out the fire and uh wait for the next call you know and you know as we look at what's going on in ukraine and if you know hopefully a fight never like that happen never like that happens it'll be very different you, you you know it's much more methodical planned uh the the cost is high you know you we were very fortunate to have this the superiority that we did in in GWAT, like that that won't be the same in that case you know which yeah, is yeah i was i was going to bring up the fact that um we've been sort of used to a non yeah we had the, the man portable anti air systems the man pads yeah. Um, but we really haven't been a, having to fly helicopters in a real anti-air threat region in quite some time, um, yeah. where they're, they're capable of, sh- I mean, they shot down a, a jetliner at, at 30,000 feet plus yeah. a couple of years ago. Um, that's, that's going to be a piece of cake against an Apache. Um, what, what, as far as the training and, and when you were in during the GWAP, we're focused on this sort of non near peer adversary, but you're training with, with other forces, with, with NATO in in Western Europe, um, what does that look like when when Apaches are flying and they're hunting? Are they even up in that case? If there's if we haven't shot down all the Sukhois out there, are you even up? You know, we we ran into a little bit and a little bit of this, and I, I can only speak to what I can. Some of it's still classified, you know, during the the ISIS fights, but we we started to run in a little of those concerns, and you you change your tactics. Well, and I guess there there was Russian equipment there being used by the russians that you don't want to get lit up by i'm, I'm not going to confirm uh, yeah sorry sorry no no excuse me uh, i'm pushing too hard i mean those 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 threats are there you know the, yeah. that those systems were in those areas i think we can all speak to that and so but you know when i talk about the war changing and everything else you know we're we have some smart people that are looking you know looking out for us to make sure we're prepared for the right fight at the right time and and as my career progressed, what we trained changed too. You know, we realized that the the GWAT was going to end someday. We, you know, it seemed to drag on forever, for better or worse. But we we knew it was going to come to an end, and that future fights would be had the potential to be with more near peer players that are going to have better equipment, newer tanks, newer trucks, newer anti aircraft. You know, better trained soldiers. You know, I think that's a big piece of the puzzle. Everybody forgets that. As we introduce these complexities to warfare, like you, you, we, you still need a good soldier to run it, you know. And if you don't have that, if you don't have that training, like the best anti-aircraft equipment out there, if it doesn't have a good operator, it's useless, you know, to some degree. You know, I think we're going to hit a point in the future where that's going to be largely AI-driven, mm-hmm. um, but I don't, I don't think we're there yet. You know, yeah. I've, I've been out for a couple of years. I'm not getting to read the the Cipernet and everything else every day. Uh, but I, I still think we're a little bit away, a little bit of ways away from a robot pulling the trigger versus, you know, a guy having to make that decision. Well, and, and you talk about uh, the, the tech changing in AI. Yeah, I do think that's coming down the road, but we're a ways off. We have seen in the last couple of years, especially in the, the recent Nagorno-Karabakh, uh, Azerbaijan, Armenia conflict, yeah. a real pr- proliferation of loitering munitions and small, yep. small loitering munitions. And actually, in response to that, the Russians have started putting basically graded armor, basically a, a steel canopy over all their tanks so that they can't basically put a hand grenade down the, the hatch. Uh, do you see 
the U.S. involved in that at all? I know our allies are. I know Israel is. And again, not touching anything classified. Do you see that augmenting the Apache or? I or yeah, go ahead. You know, I, there was some exciting stuff coming as I was leaving. As some some technologies, kind of some synergies are starting to develop. You know, in kind of multi-domain, cross-domain warfare, and kind of the connectivity aligned with it, like the data systems and everything, we're starting to get to a point to where you could truly manage that fight. You know, like mm-hmm. in the past, talk like, about loyal wingman type stuff, like having a all all sorts yeah. of stuff like okay. that. You know, and I'll get in the UAVs, ISR assets here in a second. Okay. Um, but all that stuff, like we'd had those capabilities through, uh, you know, through the the GWAT, and they were very effective. But everybody wasn't really tied together. We were always some, and some assets were, but by the majority we weren't. You know, we're always talking through a radio, having to talk to a guy on the ground. You know, and I was very fortunate to be in some cool places in the military and the right opportunities where I kind of got to be at the birth of that, to where we could fly the UAV from the front seat of the Apache. We could see that video in our cockpit i could see my wingman's video you know and the saying goes a you know picture's worth a thousand words and like there's no truer case truer case of that than on the battlefield um you know to be able to build that you know that battlefield picture of what's going on to be able to to make kind of that command decision of this is what we're going to do and so as that technology's evolved it's really allowed us to really change the way we approach some of these wars and like so you're talking about you know kind of those assets like tactics are going to evolve along with that right like dropping stuff from the top from small uavs and you also got to factor in like you know what these countries can do with cost you know like you know those eastern Bloc companies don't countries don't have the the budget that the us has you know so they're going to fight a war differently than we are you know uh one of my one of my favorite things like something i always think back to when we talk about warfare and the ingenuity that goes into it as terrible as it is but i remember the rockets that they would shoot in iraq early on like they needed a way to delay a kitchen timer 45 minutes wasn't long enough you know what i mean and so they would freeze these kitchen timers in a block of ice and then let them thaw out for 24 hours you know what i mean when our technologies evolved to like hey we can watch an area longer we can capture data longer yada yada like the simplicity and and, and and terribleness of warfare, like it always finds a way, you know, and that and that really wraps up in the tactics and stuff. And so I think you're going to see if things get nasty in that area. And I do think it's a lot of posturing there right now, but I, you're going to see some of that, you know, war is war. It's scrappy. There, There is no rules, you know, but. Sorry, I got a little off topic, but yeah. No, that was that was perfect. That's uh, that's the thesis statement for the whole podcast, right there. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, that's great. Um, I think we've we've. I, I just want to know, like, if you're getting in the if you're getting in the chopper to in in Poland and you're going up, is your mind? Well, how is your mindset different going into that fight than it is loitering, like being the policeman? You're not the policeman now. You're the SWAT team. I've uh, I've done a similar fight. I've executed missions in a high radar threat environment similar to what they're doing you know there's tactics that we're going to change that we're going to do and like i can't i can't stress enough to be successful in those environments it's, it's really a teaming aspect like you need you need your air cover you know you need your fighter cover you need your guys on the ground to have good information you know you need your your signal capabilities to do proper jamming like and i one of the 
positives of the global, you know, the GWAT was we got to practice and use a lot of that stuff. You know, I think that's something that a lot of people forget that like my entire time in the military, 11 years, I was at war, you know, like, you know, there's people in the military that their entire 20 year career were at war. That's unheard of. You know, we've never, you know, so we, we operated in that capacity. So like, when you think about those conflicts and those other countries that are getting involved in it, you know, the thing they have to really consider is, is how practiced are we? You know, we may have some of the best players, but if we haven't practiced a lot, are we going to be really good at it? And uh, I, I think that's what it's going to take to be successful on those fronts is you, you, you need every system to work well together, just not work per se. So were, were there any of those countries in that region that you were really impressed by their, their chopper guys that you were really like, these guys are, are really dialed in. You know, we didn't, I didn't work a lot with the, with the air assets. You know, we did some, uh, some or of their, any assets, any of their, yeah, some of their, their signal assets. I worked with in Afghanistan. They did a great job. Um, you know, they're always on time doing the right thing. You know, no complaints, you know, a good mission is sometimes when no news is good news and you know, they're there, they're there, they do their job and they're gone. Like that, that's a good job, you know, and they, they always did that. Uh, the ground guys, everybody I worked with and kind of all those countries were always their pros, professionals. Um, it's a lot more, I saw what I believe to be a lot more careerism in those militaries than I did in ours. You know, it's pretty customary. I'm a product of it. Like, I'm going to go do my two, 10 years, get some education out of it, do an MBA, go get another job, yada, yada, everything in between. But a lot of those services, a lot more careerism, you know, they're going to do it forever. And that lends to guys just, you know, you do something for 10, 15 years, you're usually better at it than the guy that's been doing it for two or three. And so I, I was always impressed, um, especially some of them that made a lot with the systems that they had. You know, they didn't have all the schnooks and everything that we had. And so they definitely experts at making uh, lemonade out of, out of lemons. Awesome. Well, that's about, that's about it for today. Um, I, that was all my questions. Do you have any, do you have any, um, signing off remarks, anything you want to say to the, the, the boys out there, uh, uh that might I, be sending it. I, I hope not, you know, as somebody that's seen a extensive amount of combat, you know, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. You know, I do know if it, if it comes down to it, they'll be ready and they'll do a good job, you know, but I, I hope some cooler heads prevail and we don't have to, it's always cool to use awesome, you know, to train with and use military equipment in, in those facets. It's, it's, it's much different when you have to use it in a real capacity. And uh, sure. I, I hope and pray that doesn't happen, but sometimes the world's just more complicated than that facet. So. Yeah. Well, it'll, it'll definitely be an interesting week. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Th- thank you so much. Well, uh, we, we hope to have a, a more uh, focused podcast on the, on the situation on the ground coming out in the next couple of days here. So uh, keep, keep your ears to the ground and, and maybe we'll have you back to comment on. Some yeah, of no, stuff. I, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Thank you.